You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. Okay. It's it's my turn now, I think. Right? (laughs) Yes, it's your turn. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wait. Is this a new episode? We have to do our whole show. It's a new episode. It is. Welcome. What's up, Theater Geeks? What is up? 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 It's another OG episode. We've gone back to basics. Back to before is what I was going to say before I realized that was a musical theater reference. Oh, dear. Are we going to hear the squeaky toy? Oh, no. Yes, I can absolutely hear the squeaky toy. We're going to get through this little little early bit right here, and then I will promptly mute myself to give you... All of the attention. <laughs> Jeez. They were fine. They were yeah, and then they're fine. like, nope, it's too late. I can't continue to be quiet. That's not, we can't do that. <laughs> they are like, they're like toddlers, you know? I know. Gotta, gotta just let them be. It's it, cool. It, I don't and think it's it cute. It's fine. <laughs> they it's know fine. Have, you all know I have dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They do. Um. A thing I was going to say that we didn't say in the last one is like, we have a new logo. Oh, that's so right. So peep that, friends. It's super cute. Peep it. Uh, I put it on Facebook so you can all venture there to see it. I'm sure it's on our Instagram now. <laughs> it is super cute. And it was it was drawn for us by a yes. friend of Ebony's. <laughs> Please give that information because everyone should know this woman. Yeah. So her name is Jema McMahon. Um, if you go to Instagram, you can go at Jama Hart, which is spelled H A R T, Art A R T, Jama Hart Art. It's horrible. It's so cute. He captured us perfectly. We are she in did. cartoon form, but you can tell exactly who it is. It's so cute. I it's, love it. Yeah, it so, is actually like I would like. That's the kind of. Thing that I would want to like put on a canvas and then hang in my apartment. And I actually might do that. Well, that would be speaking of that, we Ooh. are creating a merch store. So what? yeah, it's, <laughs> it's already, it's already made, except we just have to get the okay for when I can um, launch it. 
Awesome. So we're going to have a merch store. So if you love the logo, you can buy a t-shirt with our faces on it. Nice. You can buy a mug with our faces on it that says Pamela's Famous Welcome. <laughs> you can buy a sticker with our faces on it. You can get a clip-on on the back with our OG um, logo or the new <laughs> one. Nice. Whatever you want. So peep that in probably the next couple of weeks. Or it might be up by the time this episode is is out. So um, <laughs> you can have your very own little piece of our, our freaking adorable logo. So cute. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And with the website, theatergeeksanonymous.com. Okay. Um, but, you know, also, uh, well, you can't get there from the BPN one. But the BPN one is where you can listen to the podcast and go through all the different channels and stuff. Right. All right, friends. <laughs> Ebony, I'm excited to hear this. This one, I okay, so <laughs> this week we're going to do, and I have butchered the name several times, and I probably will probably. during the course of this episode. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. <laughs> Summer, the Donna Summer musical. I have been calling it Donna. <laughs> not what it's called. <laughs> but guess what? It's probably what I'm going to say. Yeah. So just. I don't know what to tell you. All right. It's all right. Well, first, as always, we like to make sure you all um, know where we get our information. Wikipedia didn't really have a lot. Um, It's like kind of like a jumping off point. Also, Wikipedia is notorious for being inaccurate, but it is a place where we just like to be like, okay, where's like a jumping off point for Donna for see that I've already done it (laughs) for summer, the Donna summer musical. There's like hardly anything. Oh, oh, on Wikipedia. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used very little of it, but you know, there's some things from there. There's a book called I Feel Love, Donna Summer, Giorgio Moroder, and How They Reinvented Music by Dave Thompson. So I have a little bit from him. Uh, there's also a playable article about the workshop that's from April, April 26, 2016 by Andrew uh, Gans and Adam Hetrick. And also um, a New York Post article from September 6th of 2016 by Michael Riedel. And I will also reference a few other articles um, just the same as as, uh, Pamela did. Also, I have another article uh, from Broadway Box, The Daily Scoop, April 20th, 2018 by Josh Ferry. So that also will have like a tiny little piece here or there from that article as well. All right. All right. Summer. I can't The Donna summer musical. I feel like it should be Donna, the summer musical. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I know it's not, uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It really doesn't. doesn't. I've got to do a lot of thinking, you know, to get it to. Yeah. I feel like it's like, it really should be Donna summer. Or the Donna Summer musical. Yes. But like nothing, like, cause it, it's slightly confusing, but also just difficult to say. Yeah. Like you wouldn't call a Donna Summer musical just summer without the Donna Summer musical. Yeah. So let's just skip that part altogether and we'll just call it the Donna Summer musical. The Don, yeah, the Donna Summer musical, but I'm probably still going to call it just Donna. It's <laughs> going to come fine. out. I'm telling you. We'll know what you mean. So this musical, I'm going to start with some backstory. As you all know, I like to do. 
Um, according to Robert Carey, who is one of the book writers of the book, Donna herself had wanted to create a musical about her life using her music before she passed away in 2012. Uh, Donna Summer's biographical musical was originally called Ordinary Girl. This is just to let you all know, this is not the show I'm talking about. So the show she wanted to make was called Ordinary Girl. She had showcased a handful of original songs from the production during a VH1 television special called Live and More Encore. The musical was to include her hits like Last Dance, She Works Hard for the Money, and Hot Stuff. So this was back well before uh, 2012, obviously, um, quite a few years ago. Wow. Did it do anything? Um, I I didn't fall down a rabbit hole with Ordinary Girl, but like... When, when uh, Robert Carey spoke to her 15 years before um, the Broadway musical mm-hmm. happened in 2018, so that would have been about 2003 when he met with her, it still was just kind of like she was trying to get it to do something. And so um, he didn't necessarily have a conversation with her about trying to help that go forward. It was just he had like a two-hour conversation with her. And he's really one of the only members of the creative team who was actually able to sit down with Donna and have um, interaction with her before she passed. Oh, wow. Um, And that's because in 2016, that's when the workshop happened. So in 2016, a workshop of the musical then entitled The Donna Summer Project was directed by Tony winner Des McEnough and Tony winner. It was choreographed by Sergio Trudulio. It ran from June 22nd to August 6th uh, with musical direction by Ron Melrose. And that was here in the city. It ran longer than the other show I'll talk about in another another episode, Escape to Margaritaville. I mean, this one ran, the Broadway version ran for 289 performances. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, But it did feel like it came and went pretty quickly. And I think, you know, we might have been a little overrun too with musicals because it was like the 2018 year had a lot going on. Um, So according to Michael Riedel's September 2016 article entitled Inside the New Donna Summer Musical, The workshop was a gender bender with women playing some of the men in her life. Katrina Lank played Summer's Austrian husband and former manager, Helmuth Summer, whom she had one child with in 1973 and divorced in 1976. So Summer, his last name was spelled S-O-M-M-E-R. She changed it to S-U-M-M-E-R, which is really just the Anglican spelling. Um, and then decided to keep it like that for uh, her stage name. She was born, actually, LaDonna Adrian Gaines. According to that article, folks weren't sure that the gender-bending nature of that workshop said more than paying homage to the community of performers who impersonate her at clubs all over the world. So, I mean, it's like Donna Summer is a big one that a lot of drag queens like to impersonate. Um, sources for that New York Post article also stated the script could have been a little tougher. Uh, it needs some rough edges and a little bit more drama. Right now, it's sort of an excuse just to listen to the songs and get up and dance. 
Tommy uh, Matola was producing the show along with the Dodgers. Everyone, I mean, most people know Tom, Tommy Matola is sort of a behemoth in the music industry, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, during Donna's time when she was in the height of popularity. All right. So after the 2016 workshop, summer, the Donna Summer musical. <laughs> Can I just say, we're not starting out well with this difficult title. I'm going to move on from the title, but I'm just saying. You want to just say like summer? Summer. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying it's not a good omen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Well, because, and I was even thinking of ordinary girl being that way too. It's like, you don't go to see a Broadway show called ordinary girl and think, oh, that's the Donna Summer musical. Right. such a weird ordinary girl sounds like a really awesome musical theater piece, but it doesn't sound like Donna summer. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, again, this is not the same musical, What she wanted to do and what they ended up doing were two different, two different things. Yeah. So, but this particular musical opened at La Jolla playhouse on November 19th of 2017 Summer was an in-demand ticket before the start of previews, which had begun on November 7th. Following an initial extension through December 17th, the La Jolla Playhouse announced a second extension for summer, and so it eventually ended up closing on December 24th of 2017. So ticket sales did quite well for its tryout. Um, The show was brought to La Jolla, and when it was brought to La Jolla, um, the way that Des had formatted the story was that um, we'd go through Summer's life while using her final concert as a focal point. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, which is similar to what they're doing with MJ Musical, I, I've i heard. Okay. It's like, it's not his final concert. It's actually one from um, uh, 1992, I believe. Okay. Uh, but it's still like this sort of focal point and then the backstory is told from there up until that point. Okay. Well, I like that. I mean, so far I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, after this point, she basically like, you know, becomes, she's like a mom and a wife and she just really sort of revels in her home life. She has three daughters, um, and a husband that she had been married to since 1980. So from 1980 to 2012, she's married to the same man and had two daughters with him. And then one from her previous marriage. So um, that's what she was looking forward to after her last concert. LaShawn's in October 2017's article from the San Diego Union Tribune written by James Hebert. Now LaShawn's was playing what they call Diva Donna. So there are three Donnas. And I'll go through them later on. But LaShawn's is the one she's playing the one who's doing the final concert. So that's basically like, quote unquote, the main Donna. In her prime, in the prime of what we know Donna Summer to be. No, because technically Ariana DeBose plays the prime one because she's diva Donna. And that's like the height of her career. LaShawn's is at the end of the career. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So LaShawn's stated in uh, this Tribune article, this is what she said. While I'm very excited that this is a role for a woman, I'm more excited that this is a role for a black woman. That, to me, is more of a rarity than roles for women in general. I mean, you rarely rarely see a musical being told about the life of a black woman. 
If you can think of another off the top of your head, I'll give you a quarter. So it's exciting for me that this is about an African-American icon. That's awesome. (laughs) Right? And there, I mean, I immediately thought of, excuse me, Carolina change, but it's always, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here just to sort of back up what LaShawn's is saying, right? Is that, um, you know, people are like, well, what about Carolina change? Let's talk about a musical that's not about a down and out black woman. Yes. Yes. Because people right? can say the color purple too. And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because that and, does the same thing. <laughs> right. And eventually, yes, Celie has her own business and like things get better towards the end. But the majority of the story is about how she's abused and neglected and poor and, and continuously called ugly. And while I love the color purple, I think it is a beautiful story. I, the rarity with which people of color, especially black women are, are, um, touted as beautiful, as icons, as more than just strong, but like able to be feminine (laughs) and vulnerable. It's just, it's so rare to have that kind of a range. And so I know that that was like really big deal. Well, and Um, Ebony, I would also say, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. We're, you know, we're talking about a musical based on an actual real black woman. Right. And we don't get that portrayal in stage very often of a real woman. You get the portrayal of a caricature or a Mm -hmm. stereotype, but you don't actively get to see a life from beginning to end of just a black woman. Yeah. Which can be just as beautiful as, you know, whatever other story that you might come up with. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And to have one, you know, just so successful, um, you know, is like, and, and like, it's not her life didn't end in drugs or some dark, like twisty thing. Like she did pass of cancer, but it was like, she chose to stay home and just revel in the joy of being a mom and a wife and have a family. And that's why her career ended. (laughs) Cause she was like, (laughs) I just want to. She is, ended it though. Yeah. yeah she, she made was like, the choice. She made the choice. She's like, I did this, loved it. It was awesome. Now I'm going to do this. And guess what? That's going to be great too. Yep. I love it. <laughs> um, and so, okay. And so then in the same article, Ariana DeBose, who is playing, as I said before, she's disco Donna. So this is her in the seventies, like at the height of her career. She said, I knew of her growing up. And I knew of her songs and I knew she looked like me, but I didn't understand the scope of what she actually accomplished until I started doing the research to audition for this piece. To my surprise, she was incredibly theatrical in the way she approached music. It's really all about storytelling for her. She's really rooted in character and that makes her exciting for me to play. I think you stumble upon your heroes when you need them. So she may not have started out as a hero for me, but she has morphed into that. Yeah. The other thing I want to say I love so much about being able to do this episode is that two of the people that I'm going to talk about today currently are up for Oscars. They have Oscar nominations. And Ariana is one of those people because she has an Oscar nomination for playing Anita. I'll later talk about the second person. 
but it's very exciting. Awesome. Now, I've just given you a bunch of really nice vibes. But <laughs> even though audiences flocked to the show, the reviews were very mixed. So I'm going to give you a little wee bitty taste of some of the reviews from uh, the La Jolla Playhouse production. Charles McNulty from the LA Times. When I first saw the poster for Summer a few months ago, I exclaimed, I need that. I've discovered, however, that I don't need this flimsy bio musical, and neither do you. This was quoted a lot. Whoa. Yeah. In a summer form not famous for literary finesse, Summer lowers the bar. Oh. Yeah. It's dark. Um, The book by Coleman Domingo, Robert Carey, and McNuff is like a file in which all the bad things that ever happened to Summer are recorded along with the good. That's sort of life, though. Mm. The lack of playwriting imagination is startling. Now, um, I remember in the workshop, there was somebody else who said it just was sort of like a very flat bio musical. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it was just like this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. You know what I mean? No drama. Right. And so it sounds like, according to what Charles McNulty is saying, that sort of continued a bit although it had a a stronger framework because of deciding to use the one concert it still uh it still could use some some umph all right and so um i'm also going to read a little bit of james herbert's tribune um review from the la jolla um he said that's of a theater that's of a piece with the larger issue of how the whole disco movement and the other artists involved in it are rarely touched upon in the show summer delves into plenty of its subjects difficult personal struggles although its treatment of her rift with the gay community comes off as an afterthought and a bit of a gloss i'll talk about that in a second but is less adept at showing why she and her music mattered so much to the wider world and then deborah wilker and from the Hollywood Reporter, because this is a woman and because I actually um, liked a lot what she had to say, I'm going to end. This is going to be the last review I read for the La Jolla one. I'm going to read the whole thing. So Deborah Wilker from the Hollywood Reporter and writer-director Des McNuff Summer, the Donna Summer musical, it's her mistreatment that's hammered home. Men abuse, manager steal, cancer comes calling, but worst of all, her art is derided. This retelling of Summer's life not only examines an ebullient era in music, but aims to give the trailblazing songstress her rightful place in pop culture. But this show moves almost too fast. Despite its missteps, there is still so much to like about the Donna Summer musical, particularly the three women portraying the title character in different phases of her life. Broadway veteran LaShawn's 2006 Tony winner for The Color Purple, is a marvel as the assured rafters-raising diva Donna. Ariana DeBose, an original Hamilton ensemble member, more recently of A Bronx Tale, the musical, is both nervy and vulnerable as anguished midlife disco Donna. And young Storm Lever, a real find, is a scene-stealer as duckling Donna. Moments when the three sing together produce all the requested... uh, Wait. Yeah. Requisite. 
<laughs> all the requisite chills. Perfect. Yeah. Suckling Donna. That's yeah. cute. Isn't it cute? <laughs> I like it's that. cute. And like, that's literally what they classify her as. It really yeah. is. Um, so, okay. All right. So, so this is the, the road to Broadway a little bit. Now I referenced, um, cause you would, you might've heard, you might've listened to, I don't know if we posted that yet, but you may have listened to our episode about, um, good vibrations, but that I said, share the musical was coming out right after. So it was like the dueling divas <laughs> sort of. And so, um, the producing team decided to um, bring Donna Summer's musical to Broadway ahead of the Cher musical. According to a New York Post article from December 2017, just said that the producers of Summer decided to move the show to Broadway ahead of Cher. Michael Riedel stated Matola and his producers. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, uh oh. You just said Michael Riedel stated. <laughs> No! Okay, I'll go back. I'm leaving it in. (laughs) That's really funny. I'm sorry. But please actually go ahead and start again because now it's, I'm understanding you're saying that they opened preemptively so that Cher didn't get there first. Right, right. Because, you know, and also like Tony Awards. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Right. So uh, Michael Riedel said... Matola and his co-producers, <laughs> Dodgers Productions, are confident that those killer tunes, coupled with a slick production by director Des McEnough and choreographer Sergio Chudrulio, will overcome stuffy critics who can't dance. Um, both musicals show their diva at three different stages of her life. In summer, Storm Lever plays Duckling Donna, a gawky kid who grew up in Boston in the 1950s, sang in church, and landed a role in a German tour of hair. Ariana DeBose... I did not know that. Yeah, That is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of... I have to go back. There's a... Uh, one of her songs, I mean, it's, she, she does it all the... She does it a lot. Um... And it's in the show, one of the songs from here. I'll click it in at the end. Huh? The Aquarius? I think so. Okay. No, 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 no. No? Black Boys. Oh, she did that song? Yes, yes. I heard that. Oh, how fun. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. White Boys. White Boys. White Boys. Black Boys is the white boys. done by the white white boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. And then Ariana DeBose takes over as Disco Donna, who under the guidance of record producer Giorgio Moroder storms the charts with Love to Love You Baby, Dim All the Lights, MacArthur Park, Heaven Knows, Hot Stuff, and of course, Last Dance. Um, all those hits plus a few lesser known gems make up the score. All right. So Summer, the Donna Summer musical... <laughs> began previews at the Fontaine Theater on March 28th of 2018 and opened on April 23rd. So this is like right at the Tony Awards deadline. The creative, the cast and creative teams included a book by Coleman Domingo, Robert Carey, and Des McEnough, songs by Donna Summer and Giorgio Morador, scenic design by Robert Brill, 
and our second Oscar nominee this year, Costumes by Paul Taswell. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, he did. He also did The Wiz Live. Remember those costumes? Yes, 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 yes. Those were amazing. They were. I mean, listen, that was a good live TV performance, period. But the shining spot on them was those costumes. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. It's freaking awesome. Especially in the no bad news scene. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which is also my favorite costuming in the movie. But anyway, go ahead. So good. I'm I'm so excited for him. I'm I don't know him personally. Only have like talked to him on Twitter. He's so nice. <laughs> you I hope he wins. Twitter? That's so cute. Yeah. So awesome. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Lighting by Hal Binkley. The cast included Lashans as Diva Donna. So that's Mary Gaines. Ariana DeBose as Disco Donna and Storm Lever as Duckling Donna, also known as Mimi. Um all right. Uh, Bruce Sudano, who was Donna's second husband, was played by Jarrett Zerilli, and Drew Foster played Helmuth, the first husband, and Kaylee Cronin played Giorgio, and Ken Robinson played Andrew Gaines. Ariana DeBose and LaShawns were both nominated for the Drama League Distinguished Performance Award, which is an award you can only get once in your lifetime. The show was nominated for Outstanding Production of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Musical, also by the Drama League. LaShans and Ariana were both nominated for Tony Awards. LaShans for Leading Actress in a Musical and Ariana for Featured Actress in a Musical. And you'll remember why those, even though they played technically the same part, because, again, the show surrounded her final performance. LaShans was technically the leading actress because she's your way into the rest of the musical. All right, and so the show closed on December 30th of 2018 after 289 performances, and it began a national tour in 2019. Now, COVID happened (laughs) a few months after that, Um, so I am not sure. uh, The the tour website is still up. Um, I didn't look to see if it is it's been announced several places and I think um, there's a few regional productions that are happening as well because it is definitely out for licensing at this point. Um, But, you know, I mean, a lot of people love her. So although um, it actually, the Broadway production got pretty decent reviews, it wasn't, they weren't amazing, like sort of blow your top off, you know, reviews. Um, And, you know, there were some stinker reviews, people who were like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I know people who saw it and weren't, they didn't love it. Um, But, you know, everybody. uh, There's a high bar when you pay that amount of money to go and see a show. Right, right, right. And it's so clearly like, honestly, it's like a tourist. Yeah. Grab. Yes. I mean, this show really deserves to be in Vegas. Oh, right? my gosh. It would be amazing as, yeah. ve- a, as a Vegas show. Yes. Yeah. That's really honestly where it should be. Like mm. any smart producer <laughs> would just 
put it there. Yeah. You know, I they I know there's like a Jersey Boys is mm-hmm. there or was there for a long time. Also makes a ton of sense to me. Yes. Um, I did see it. I saw Jersey Boys in uh in Vegas. And they had, to, I mean, they had some, you know, when you move to Vegas, it has to be uh, one, one show continuously, no intermission, 90 minutes tops. <laughs> so there is some manufacturing that you have to do to your show in order to like, let it fit. But Donna Summer screams Vegas. Oh, totally. Totally. And it, uh, the running time was small enough that it could work. Oh, it nice. Really, okay. really could work there. Yeah. Great. Um, it had 23 songs and I believe it was like, I think it said 105 minutes. So, you know, it, it really, it really could. But I, I think that speaks to, you know, what Deborah was talking about, where she felt like it just was sort of speeding through because that's really short, you know? And that's so very short because most Broadway short. shows are like at least two and a half to three hours. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but I mean, again, like it would make such a wonderful, um, Vegas show. So I, I didn't see a Vegas announcement there, but like maybe at some point somebody will get that bright idea who wants to produce this, um, out there. And, uh, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> um, you know, so that's it. 289 performances, which is not terrible. It no, was twelve that's... million dollars to put up. Uh, didn't make its money back, but like okay. twelve million right now, not terrible. No, reasonable. When you're looking at, you know, friggin' uh, Moulin Rouge, which is so high in number, they won't tell you. <laughs> like we're like, hey, so how much did it cost for you guys to put on Moulin Rouge? And they're like, um, look over there. Do you see that big red dress? That's a beautiful dress. We made that. <laughs> the, the elephant. The elephant. You like that, right? That's that's cool. Right. Cool, right? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It'll come out at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I there's a ton of, like, speculations, 25, sure. 26, maybe 30. But it's like when you listen to the songs themselves – you know, you're like, it's so expensive the to get the rights. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. These are all the top 20 songs yeah. And now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 All right. I mean, that's, that's what I've got. I mean, it oh, okay. just, the reviews were kind of mixed. Yeah. There doesn't really seem to be, um, any bad blood, which is nice. Yeah, that is good. You know, it sounds to me like, what at least what I'm hearing is that she just led a really nice normal life and didn't have a huge amount of hills and valleys to climb out of or climb over. So, well, it's, it, it doesn't, it sounds like when I, from a couple of the things I read, there are some, there are some bumps there, but it's like, it's, it feels like somebody's kind of surfing over the waves. You know what I mean? Especially they they didn't want to delve too deep. Yeah. And, and again, like it speaks to why Deborah said it felt so rushed, right? Yeah. 
because it's like if you you don't you can't do every peak you can't do every valley no but if you just pick a few mm-hmm. that you feel like are real like big milestones right because they say everybody has like three at least three huge milestones in their sure. lives if you just pick a handful of those and you say we can't touch on everything but we can kind of delve into like mm-hmm. these three or these five. Yeah. Then you feel like you've got some ebb and flow so that when you get to the, to the, to the mountaintops, they feel higher. And when you get to the valleys, they feel lower and you take your audience on a real journey through emotion. And if it you're just trying like... to kind of skim and get through it all, yeah. it just, you, you, you're not having the same emotional connection to your character. Right. Well, and like, there's something to be said about the timing of it too, and how long you sit in a place before moving on. I'm reminded of, there's a scene in Jersey Boys where Mm -hmm. um, Frankie Valley has just discovered that his daughter has died. Yeah. And it's a very powerful scene where not a lot is going on. He's He's literally sitting with his back to the audience on a bench and it's just quiet. There isn't a song to accompany it. There isn't a huge scene to accompany it, but it's an important moment in Frankie Valley's life and therefore the Four Seasons life. And so they put a button on it. Right. They said, we're going to sit here for a second in this uncomfortable place because it's important for us all to go through. And you're right in that everyone's life has those little moments that you have to put a pin in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and in telling the story of someone's life, spending just a little extra time in those places, because those places are formative in a person's life. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing that I said I was going to mention and didn't same director (laughs) as Jersey boys. Oh, interesting. Right. So I really think that's, that was like another factor. They kind of felt like, you know, he had done such great work with Jersey boys that he would be able to take this and kind of like do those types of things with it. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know if there were too many cooks in the book kitchen. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I that feel could be like the, there were three people working on it all at this. There account. were three people. Yeah. I, I mean, also Jersey boys has the benefit of having like Frankie still alive. And I think yes. like one other member, you know? Yeah. So there's something to be said for when you're writing a musical, based on the life of somebody who's still with us. Mm-hmm. Now, Donna's husband is, is still alive. Okay. Which um, uh, the, his, her current husband at the time yeah. that she got. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's still alive. And, um, he, and her children. Yeah. Her three daughters. And so, uh, he, I, I, I saw him, um, with some of the creative team. Yeah. Um, and so, they must have had like some conversations with him. But the thing is, is like, again, they got married in like 1980. Okay. And so the height of her career was really during like sort of like the seventies and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm sure he knows a, a, a lot about like her life I, as much as one can. Um, but he probably knew way more obviously of like the, after the concert. Sure. Because that was their life together. I wonder when Donna Summer was actually involved in in focusing on Ordinary Girl, if there was information that had been written at that point. Yeah. Like, was that information used? Could it have been used? Do we know who the writing team of Ordinary Girl would have been or was? 
I, I don't. That's, I, like, that would be interesting to find out too. And I know that you, because it's hard because you, you, you have to kind of pick and choose the rabbit holes you fall down when you're doing this research. But that's it. I mean, those are interesting questions to kind of find out and see. Because I know you had mentioned that one of the writers of Summer, the Donna right. Summer musical, well, had so spoken Ordinary to her. Girl is a book. Oh, right? oh, so, right, right, right. It's a book by Donna Summer and Mark Elliott. I didn't okay. see Mark Elliott's name anywhere on anything. Okay. Uh, but let me see if he is even still with us, which could be. But the book was published. Ordinary Girl, the book was yeah, published. Yeah, that was. Mm-hmm, I that don't was know why book. when you said that at the beginning of the podcast, I thought that you, she was wanting to turn Ordinary Girl into a musical. She so... was. Oh, oh okay. She but was. there is. Okay. Okay. There's also a book. <laughs> Gotcha. Which I didn't, but I didn't know when you were asking about that. I was like, well, let me look up some more about ordinary girl. Cause I was yeah. like, if I go down, I didn't want to do it while I was doing the research. Stuff, yeah. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. I'll never get this finished. I'll be inside ordinary girl world instead of freaking this one. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so it's a book, but okay. there, again, I didn't see anything about them purchasing the rights for the book. Right. Um, you Interesting. know, Interesting. So I, um, if anyone who's listening knows whether or not they did or knows somebody who was in the, um, creative team, you know, always add us at, uh, twi- on Twitter, TGAB way or on Instagram, same thing, or email us. And, uh, when we do one of our intermission sodes, I'd love to add that if you know, if they purchased the rights to it, but yeah. Um, or even were inspired by it. Like that would be interesting yeah. too, to see if like they had show notes at all. I'm right. sorry. My dogs are like chomping at the bit to go eat something. So everything is being destroyed right now. But, um, that would be an interesting thing to find out whether or not yeah. Mark Elliott was approached, whether he said no, whether he wanted a part, but the creative team of, of summer, the Donna summer musical didn't want to go mm-hmm. that route. Who knows? Cause it, I mean, there's one of the articles I read is like a whole article about if Donna were alive, like what were the questions you'd ask her? And again, the only person who was able to meet her before she passed was Robert. So, um, you know, I, I hope the book was read. <laughs> I'm sure the actresses, I'm sure at least one of the oh, actresses probably absolutely. read the book. Cause that's what absolutely. actors do is like, they're very good at, um, trying to do as much research as they can, especially the younger ones who like, you know, no inkling who Donna Summer was to begin with. Yeah. Right. I mean, at least Ariana knew who she was, but of right. course, you know, she's, she's young. So, well, I mean, even me, I know who Donna Summer is. I know the songs that she sang, but yeah. I, I would be very hard pressed to tell you anything else about her actual life. Right. 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 And doing the research for this musicals, when I found out she had, a husband and three daughters and left to be basically a stay at home mom. That's how I learned that yeah. <laughs> is working on this episode. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, so, but it's, it's nice to hear she had what sounds like this, the, the latter half uh, was really nice. Well, that's so lovely. bless her heart, except yeah. for the cancer. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cancer was apparently she had, um, Smoked very young, but for a long time was a non-smoker, but also lived across the street from the 9-11 towers. Oh. So there's speculation that it's a mix of 
used to have it like smoke in her younger years mm-hmm. being across from the twin towers and yeah. then maybe also like secondhand smoke it was just like all of well, it together listen i mean they the rules that they have and the laws that they have in place about smoking inside buildings yeah. was not existent at the time so you no. would go to those clubs and you it would just be in a cloud of cigarette smoke totally totally so i would imagine that part of that has to do with it yeah but the twin yeah. the into towers theory is also yeah mm. yeah that that's what she believed was the yeah. thing that really yeah bless her so that's it friends the donna summer musical um this is definitely on spotify um donna's her stuff's fun so it is fun it's fun so i'm just saying if you need a pick me up uh <laughs> go ahead and listen to it totally and well, um, everyone knows last dance but then you're also like Left to love you, baby. Yes. Like it's I like love how that song. Starts. Yes. <laughs> how fun! That's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Like she's got she's got some good tunes. I think she too, does. it's like one of those things where sometimes it's I get uh, a lot of those disco artists mixed up. So like Gloria Gaynor and Diana right. Ross and Donna Summer are all kind of interchangeable sometimes because you're like they were all the same I'm time. Like, I don't know about the Di- the Diana Ross one. But I can get you know, Donna you're and right. Gloria. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. Because Diana Ross, yeah. was you, she had a very specific sound. Yeah. But like all of those, like, I will survive. You're like, yeah. oh, that could have been Donna Summer. But you're like, no, that was Gloria Gaynor. Yes. Okay, the last dance. Well, that could have been Gloria Gaynor. No, 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 that was Donna Summer. <laughs> so in that respect, um, and because yeah. they were at the same time as yeah. well, sometimes yeah. it's difficult to kind of figure out or pick out which songs belong to who. You know what? Just do a mix. Put them all in there. Put both ladies in there. Listen, I just get on Pandora. Totally. I just go like, hey, um, Alexa, play Donna Summer on Pandora. And then it comes up with all of those different artists. It's so good. Yeah. Do it. (laughs) All right, friends. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. Until Until next next time, time, geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.